This is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester. Post-Notre Dame victory over Pittsburgh. We're all back from Pittsburgh, 42-30 to 30 win. It was more one-sided than that uh, would indicate, but that's what we usually say when Notre Dame comes back in off the road. But now at 8-1, and one, Notre Dame went into the game number 5 in the, in the playoff rankings. Uh, one of the things that we want to talk about here and kick around because I think it's kind of fascinating. We don't really know how do, how the playoff committee is going to make their judgments. It's pretty early in the process in year two of it, but I would think that Notre Dame has a pretty good shot at moving up to number four this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame, the, if you pair Pittsburgh and Temple together, both on the road, that's a really impressive back-to-back two-game stretch with the playoffs kind of now in a, in a, at the forefront of everyone's mind. And I, I don't think anybody else could say, like, hey, they have two good quality road wins. Uh, I think, and I wrote this in my column, like, Cle- the Clemson loss is still at the first line on Notre Dame's resume, but, like, you've got a little bit more substance, a little bit more foundation mm-hmm. to your argument now with Temple and Pittsburgh. And it helps that, and, and Jeff Long said this, the Clemson win... The win, Clemson's win over Notre Dame is the number one line on Clemson's resume. He still said, I, I think it might change this week after Alabama beat LSU, but he said last week the best win of the college football season is Clemson over Notre Dame. So they really like Notre Dame. The best win of the college football season now is probably Alabama over LSU. I mean, yeah, one or, or, yeah. or Oklahoma State over TCU. Right. I mean, you have some other Although, contenders now instead of like a clear runaway winner. I, the only thing I would reason, I think that's number three, even though Oklahoma State looks so good, is Notre Dame is good. Clemson beat them. LSU is good. Uh, uh, Alabama beat them. I don't know how good TCU is. They, we're, they're probably good. Yeah, I mean, right? We don't know. At yeah, all. not I mean, when their quarterback throws four or No, no, no not. Yeah, I think yeah. it kind of snuck the, the fact that Notre Dame's last five opponents: Clemson, Navy, USC, Temple, Pittsburgh, exclude the result of them playing Notre Dame. I think this kind of snuck up on us that Nord, that those five teams are thirty-five and four, excluding the result of Notre Dame, which I guess would be thirty-six and. Um, Eight, if you did yeah. right, if you did include that, so you know we were all kind of caught off guard. Notre Dame number five. What are they doing number five? Well, I, I think it's that, and then plus you add, like you said, Pete, going on the road. I don't know if before the year started we would have said road wins at Temple and Pittsburgh were significant, but especially when you consider, and Tim, you've written about this extensively, how Notre Dame has struggled recently on the road. It's unfortunate that. You know, what probably should have been a 21 or 24-point victory is a 12-point victory, but I guess as it turns out, the committee's already impressed with Notre Dame. Yeah, I think and, and they they did what we asked for. It's very important that they did what we asked for in the instant pregame instant analysis. They went out and they were by far the better team in a road game against a quality team. It was clear Notre Dame was better than Pittsburgh. There was that one brief moment, Tim, where you turned to me and said, is this game going to get closer? And you didn't mean junk at the end. You meant, oh, man, Pitt's getting some offense yeah. going. And we're like, no, you know what? I think they're going to handle them. And they did. And 42-17 would look great. I think that would have cemented number four this week. And I'm not sure if 42-30 does. I, I think it should. But you, Yeah, I mean, you might be right. I, I, overall, there, there wasn't a moment in that game, and there have been a lot in the Pittsburgh series where we're like, oh, this is kind of getting a little uncomfortable here. Every time Pittsburgh scored sort of – sort of into the third quarter, Notre Dame responded. Well, it never got back down. Once it went up to double digits, it never sunk back down to single digits. You just felt like Notre Dame collectively had a pretty good stiff arm of Pittsburgh for the entire afternoon, which was impressive to me when C.J. Procise goes down, uh, the defense has to rely on Torrey Hunter as a nickelback, and you're going against a, a team that is so good in red zone defense, and Notre Dame has struggled and really... 
They made all three of those things work kind of effortlessly. You are astonished. You just said the weirdest thing of the the podcast season. So they have a freshman they like in Nick Coleman. They have a sophomore they liked in Nick Watkins. And they have the August champion in Devin Butler. Oh my gosh, Devin Butler is just, let's lead some calisthenics and throw him out there at nickel. And Torrey Hunter Jr., Slides over to the nickel spot. It was amazing talking to him. He said that he's been practicing for three weeks at the position. So Notre Dame has known that long. Pretty much since we started talking about how come they don't play nickel anymore. Brian Kelly was probably like, man, we need to play some nickel. And they just didn't have a solution. And the fact that you had to throw out a a basically a a reserve receiver... (laughs) To just play man defense, and I asked him, like, you know, how complicated is this? Like, I don't know, I'm just, it's just man defense. I just follow this guy around the whole time. <laughs> um, that nobody else could do that is is, is mind-blowing to me. Well, he had Joe Schmidt tell him what to do, so there was yeah. no problem. It was just way in there. Yeah. Go that way, cover that guy. So it's been, and I'm surprised we didn't find out about it sooner. It happened for three weeks. So in other words, the first week he went out there and he said, you know, he's got some promise. we got to stay with him, and he's doing better than the other guys we have. And in week two, he shows a little bit more promise. Week three, they say, okay, we're ready to, to throw him out there. It really is. It's really astonishing. And, and I, you know, as Notre Dame moves forward, and that's why I say it's kind of cool, you've got the next couple weeks to kind of bask in it a little bit. You, sh- you should come out with wins here in the next two games, and you're up, you know, your fourth or fifth or wherever you are in the playoff ranking. But when I look at this game, when, when Pitt has eight plays of 20 yards or more, they only had 34 coming into the game through the first eight games. It's still just a huge concern. I don't see that. I don't see the explosiveness in Kavari Russell. One of you guys asked before we got started. You know who in the secondary is playing better than they were last year? You could you could say Elijah yeah. Shoemate, but certainly none of the others. I mean, Kavari Russell isn't playing as well as the last time we saw him in the Notre Dame uniform at the end of the 2013 season. Well, Tim, I think this is one of your points is. Who's playing better than last year? Maybe not related, but but Matthias Farley is playing as well, but he's playing less. Why don't they play him at nickel? I don't know. What is the problem with him? He was look. He gives up a couple plays. You don't think Hunter might give up a couple passes when he's yeah. out there against Matthias Farley? Makes plays, and so what if he gives up some? Know. They need something. Remember the snippets we saw in the preseason, how poor he played in nickel? Maybe that's what they see in practice on a daily basis. It was last August, though, too. We used to talk about it all the time. Yeah, I mean, I remember that being a story we talked about last August, about you'd watch the the practice clips and be like, yeah, Matthias probably looks a step slow. And then the the games start, and he's making plays, plays that you remember, and it's difficult to look at the secondary, especially the safety position. Um, The nickel position doesn't really play anyway, and think, oh, that, that was a great play that I remember. Matthias Farley seems to make a lot more of them than anybody else. I, it's it's very surprising to me that they wouldn't try. I think they might try it going forward. Maybe you know it's. Can you play Tory Hunter Jr. at nickel against Stanford? You have to just no. go base, right? That's this is not ripping on Tory Hunter at all. I mean, no. he that's very no. not at all, not at all. I want everybody to know that when we say Hunter's going to get beat, it's because he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, he's yeah, playing. exactly. Yeah. He's he's found the confidence from the coaching staff to actually be inserted into the game. So obviously he does something, but. I mean, that's rough. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think, you know, as you move forward, it, it, it isn't any surprise here. You're still concerned about the defense. Now you're about to play two offenses that are horrible. They're they're really, really yeah. bad. Wake Forest, and I'm going to remind everybody here up until Saturday, Wake Forest <laughs> does a lot of good things defensively. They're, they're really solid in in a lot of areas. So, again, if Nordin doesn't score 38 points at home, 
It's probably a combination of things, one of which is Wake Forest is pretty decent defensively. Offensively, they're terrible. Boston College is even worse than that. Um, so, again, a, a couple good weeks and a couple good opportunities for the Notre Dame defense. But on the offensive side of the ball, Josh Adams, you know, C.J. Procise, I think kind of our, our we kind of suspect that Procise won't be playing this week, at least based upon where past, Brian Kelly's yeah, comments were on just, Sunday. You, you just sort of look at past concussions that they always end up missing. Right. It's still, I mean, when you look at the replay of that, and I hadn't had the opportunity till this morning, it, I mean, it still looks more like shoulder to me. And I guess Brian Kelly kind of said shoulder, neck, head, it kind of all encompassing. And we know that he's had some shoulder problems, but my point here is that maybe this can be a blessing in disguise with Josh Adams. They're looking for a short yardage back. They picked up three or four third and ones on Saturday, which was real progress. It was kind of across the board, but Adams had one. Dexter Williams had one, correct? No, it was uh, ProSize, Adams, and Kaiser all had one. Williams almost had one. And okay. That's something okay. out of the game. But right. that, that part of Notre Dame's offense was better. And I think that this was kind of the whole crux of my column is whether it's ProSize or Adams, whether Kaiser is throwing for five touchdowns and running for three, or Fuller has eight touchdowns or just two, like it's the, the offensive line sets the table for everything. It's, it's basically staking Notre Dame to a lead in every game. Because Kaiser has an extra second and a half all the time. And the running backs have better lanes to run in consistently. And I thought it said a lot. And it, I, I didn't take this just like, well, this is just sort of coach, <coughs> speak, coach speak from players. That Nick Martin and Will Fuller didn't even know CJ Prosize was out of the game until halftime. And as much as like a message board or a Twitter column will explode when that happens. Yeah. But the players are just like... it. It's not a big deal. Like this offensive line is just still going to ball the, the the front across from us and, okay, and well, give the team give Notre Dame enough time to sort of let those weapons explode. All right. Well, that's true. That was true when CJ Procise was healthy and playing. And yeah, he well, couldn't that, get short yardage. No, they, uh, yeah, I guess my point is more like whether the running back is Procise or Adams might not matter, and that the fact that Adams came in and basically put up 150 yards says more about the offensive line than it does about Josh Adams. Yeah, I'm not talking about the yards. I'm just yeah. talking about approach. And, yeah. and, and clearly, Procise is, I mean, what, part of his strength, his patience, is a detriment when it comes to short yardage yeah, sure, situations. Sure. Whereas Adams, with, goes, the muscle, with the muscle memory of a, of a, yeah. a running back, right. is more inclined to hit it. And so that that's all I'm saying is that maybe this can be a blessing in disguise and maybe they can give Adams a few more opportunities in short yardage situations so that... You can play him a little bit more in the first half when you have a healthy ProSize as well, and so he isn't coming in, you know, as as a guy that's cold trying to hit it up in there. If ProSize can sit out this week and they get a true one-two punch out of this, where ProSize can get seventeen to eighteen carries, and because I'm, I'm thinking about Stanford right now, mm-hmm. where you're not, and Josh Adams can get eight to ten, I think they'll beat Stanford. Yeah, I, well, I, you know, I think they need Adams. Care, yeah, if, if they get thirty carries between the two of them or high twenties, right. I, I would totally agree with you. I I would just I would say Pro says you're out this week. Just yes. sit, and I you know you're going to learn also a lot about Dexter Williams this week, which I think is significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just go into this game with Adams and Williams being your one and two backs. Have them run the ball twenty eight thirty times. And just lean on your offensive line to get that job done because I think Adams, Adams could not only be your short yardage back, he can be your long yardage right. back and your medium yardage back. I think he's got some really interesting skill set that I did not see coming out of high school at all. 
Uh, he's been a, he's been a real revelation to me. And I really want to see Williams this game because Kelly has hinted both times, like, boy, he is a naturally good running back. I mean, I know people, we all think that when the freshman comes in, he looks good. But for Kelly to say, it's just kind of, he's not on the field because he doesn't pick up blitzes like Adams, doesn't understand yeah. the offense like Adams. But boy, he's a really good runner. You might get a chance to see it. In him in this role as a number two running back at home, confidence situation. I, that's, I think, as you said, it's a blessing in disguise. And his, his shoulder, process of shoulder has been bulky for two months. No right? doubt about it. Yeah, since yeah. the beginning of the season, we're talking to him post game, and you, you see like a big ice pack under yeah. his sweatshirt, and you ask him about it, and it's like, he doesn't want to talk about it. But a week off. You know, I mean, maybe a week and a half off. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I, mean, I, I know there, that people are saying, well, sit him for two weeks. That's tough at BC. Well, you can't. You, you don't make that decision before you know where he is physically. Right, right. But yeah. if he's not ready this weekend, then I agree with you, Pete. I mean, I think that you can move forward this week. Without Somebody him. wrote on the board a very good point. <laughs> Sitting pro size at BC and saying, all right, now go back in there and let's go take on Stanford isn't the easiest thing either. So that's probably not the best call. No. Yeah, okay, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be back for segment two with questions from our readers. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We're in segment two, burning up the boards. First question is from Irish Boo. Kind of a historical perspective here. We've got, since Eric Parsegian, some of the best Notre Dame wide receivers, apologies to those he left out, Jack Snow, Bob Gladjoe, Jim Seymour, Tom Gatewood, Pete Demerley, Tim Brown, Rocket Ishmael, Lake Dawson, Derek Mays, Jeff Samarja, Golden Tate, Michael Floyd. Among these, where does Will Fuller rank? Well, since I'm the only one old enough to remember all of these guys. The first, the first five. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jack Snow, I was four, so I don't have a real good... Uh, Bob Gladjoe was a running back who was a good receiver coming out of the backfield. But, um, you know, I, I think really the only conversation here, as far as pure receiver, because, I, you know, Tim Brown really wasn't that well-developed as a receiver coming out of Notre Dame. Especially Rocket. Because they didn't... Yeah, and Rocket wasn't either. I mean, they didn't throw the ball a ton. Lake Dawson was... Not a prolific receiver. So, I mean, I think really the the only true, you know, Seymour, that's just such a different area. Um, Golden Tate was spectacular. Mike Floyd's got the numbers. But Will Fuller, I mean, just as far as the ability to track the football and make plays week after week, 27 touchdowns in 22 games. He scored in all but three of those games. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, I would have a difficult time putting forth a legitimate argument against Will Fuller in this case. Tim, I think you uh, finished your video post-game. You walked away, and I started my video, and Pete was still there. And I started talking about Will Fuller in my notebook, and we had to take like a take-two. I was so excited yeah. about Will Fuller's abilities. You need a wet towel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will Fuller is great. He's torturing everyone. All right, let's do a second take on he that. He is that good, though. Yeah, he is that good. Was, he warrants uh, that type of... Uh, yeah, credit. these are hard comparisons because if Derek Mays played on this team, he would be destroying... People. And he could, Derek Mays I mean, could high point a football as yeah. well as anyone. So, I mean, that's difficult. Obviously, Tim Brown and Rocket are just different, and you, you can hand them the ball in the backfield, and it, it's a yeah. bigger weapon than anybody else. I mean, so, I mean, Tim, Tim Brown won the Heisman Trophy. Right, right? He's, so. a, he's a Hall of Famer because of we're his gonna receiving have, abilities. We're going to have yeah. to put him ahead of Will Fuller, I think. Right, right. Um, and Rocket was no, the second. No, but Tim Brown won the Heisman because of his return ability. Yeah. He ran out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as a – I mean, if the comparison is as a pure wide receiver, right. Fuller was way ahead of where Tim Brown – way ahead of where – Rocket Ishmael was as a developed catcher of passes. If it's who you want on your team, you want either Tim Brown or Rocket Ishmael. Right. And you go wide receiver. I, I don't know if I I don't I can't put Fuller ahead of, of Tate based on his Me either. 
sophomore and right, junior seasons. I, with him, I think that's yeah, fair. Yeah, I just thought he was, as weird as this sounds, I thought Golden Tate was a more explosive athlete than Will Fuller. Um, you know, and he, he could go up and make the some competitive catches that we haven't seen Fuller do a ton of. It's not that he can't do it. Um, and he could run by, run by you just fine as well. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, he was a more powerful athlete to me. And... I thought his hands were better than Fuller. His I think, hands were better. I think yeah. Fuller was outstanding. Floyd, I think, just sort of the is probably the best all around receiver. Blocking um, is so good. I, yeah, I mean, you just sort of eliminate people from plays. Um, so I, I would, I would have Fuller behind those two guys, and then I, I mean, you're right on the Rocket Tim Brown. It's like, are we talking about the same thing? Um, no, Rocket was not a wide. Not, he was barely a wide receiver. You yeah. know what I mean? He was an everything guy. He was that's they invented all purpose because of. Tim Brown, I mean, I guess Johnny Rogers, but Tim Brown and Rocket Ishmael. Right. That era became, everybody was like, let's get an all-purpose guy. It was then after him, to a lesser extent, Desmond Howard, then Peter Warwick. But those yeah. guys were the all-purpose guys. I will say that Golden Tate and Derek Mays are the two best I've ever seen. No, I didn't see the first five guys on this list, but two of the best I've ever seen at any level, where it's one-on-one of the balls downfield, and you just think that corner's done. They're going to go get yeah. it over him. They there's highlights of Derek Mays just taking the ball from people. But. They're all really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really good. Yeah. And they've got a really good one right now. So where where he ranks is subjective, but uh, he scores every week. Uh, JTurk83, <laughs> is the lack of a pass rush without a blitz concerning for you guys, especially if we make the playoffs and need a pass rush to help the back end of the defense? No. I mean, it's, this has been the story all year. It, it was the story before the year. We knew it was going to be the story during spring practice. So I think... Something that has happened just as it expected shouldn't be a concern because you knew it was coming the whole time. Um, I think Notre Dame's pass rush is what it is. They get a little bit here and there, but this is just not going to be a great pressure defense. And I think third down, we saw a little bit this week. We're going to see more Jalen Smith doing it. Again, yeah. when they have to do it. I think Jalen Smith is going to be involved. Did you see his, He's the, blitz, the blitz up yeah. the middle yeah. on the third and long? Yeah. Oh no my God! Did you see the blitz pickup? Yeah, well, yeah. Or I, I, I can't even. Yeah. I don't even know if it was an attempt at a pickup. It was. It was that. That there, there's your freshman so running back trying to pick up a blitz. I, I mean, I think. I think Nordames. I think the pass rush from the front four is the best that it's been at any point this season. Romeo Quara is playing really, really good football right now. Daniel Cage is playing his best football, and Rochelle and Day are Rochelle and Day. So. I mean, I think it's probably at a peak right now with that front four. Yeah, I, th- I think the pass rush is okay from the defensive line. They don't have a great pass rusher, but they have more than adequate players to have a functional defensive line. I, I agree with you guys that I think we'll see Jalen Smith blitz more now. Uh, and I this was, I can't remember who tweeted this out, but they had totaled up Jalen Smith's pass rushes this year versus last year. And it was it was basically cut in half, um, you know, and it, that's fat. That's kind of prorated for you know nine games versus thirteen. But I think that that has to be there has to be more of that. There has to be a change up within the defense, uh, and certainly he's got a hell of a lot of ability to do it. They had uh, they stopped eight third downs, and on uh, five of them they had four pressures and a sack, and then three other ones were short yardage. So they actually did a pretty good job in that regard. I gave Schmidt a credit for a pressure for running in there and not getting to. I think it affects the play, and when you throw it an incomplete does. pass, he never get he never gets home completely. It's not a hurry, but if you make the guy leave and throw an incomplete pass, it counts. Yeah, so that's, that's how I yeah. view pressures. Is like, did you affect the quarterback? Was the quarterback not able to do what he wanted to do, right. how he wanted to do it? And Schmidt still can can give you that. 
Golden by name, Notre Dame's third down defense currently is ranked 12th in the nation. Their fourth down defense is one of the worst in the country at 120th. Why can't Notre Dame get off the field on those pesky fourth downs? It's good that their third down defense is better than their fourth down defense because you face a lot more of those. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the most important thing. This is actually my stat, so I should probably go to it. Uh, 13 to 16, I think they've yielded this year, but Navy and Georgia Tech combined were 6 to 7. You can add two more from USC in the uh, last drive where they were playing off. Purposely let not you know let them have it, but you yeah. kind of give up the short one. So I think it's too small of a sample size. But as we talked before this podcast, Temple two damaging fourth downs, one on Kavari for thirty one yards, and then the uh, the no touch touchdown. Yeah, Those I mean, and that's and that's why this is a fair question. Is yeah, because Temple is sort of forefront in everyone's mind. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh. If you pick up a fourth and one at midfield with a two yard run, I it's hard for me to be like, wow, that defense really needs to step up there. Um, but you're right. In, in Temple, they had a couple potentially game-changing moments on fourth down where they, they gave up a big first down and then gave up a touchdown. Well, the guy moved early on the 31-yarder. That should have been penalty, right? So That's that was, a good point. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, what Tim said about small sample size, I think fourth downs are... I, I, I think we may be just... It's an unusual number. Yeah. It's startling because it's, it's 13 high. for it's, 16, yeah. but, I, but I don't... I don't put a lot of stock in it. The three and outs, I put a lot more stock in something like that. Um, by the same token, it's a horrible defense in the red zone. I mean, they're, they were 93rd. They were 116th or 114th last year. They just give up scores when they get in there. So it's kind of, it's kind of a difficult defense to figure out sometimes. The stats are a bit conflicting when you put them all together. They have so many good moments and so many awful moments. Really strange, and I, I guess that's part of it. Is the back end is the second. It really it gives up more than anything I mean, else. And from the yeah. second week of the season on, yeah. it's been that way. They play well, they play well, they play well, and all of a sudden they give up an explosive. Well, that's a good segue into our next question from Washington. D. Will Brian Van Gorder be at Notre Dame next season if the defense continues to play as it has? So we far? all kind of thought that he was going to be a, a short term, right, a yeah. two year guy. I think as long as Brian Kelly's around, there's still a good chance that that he will be around. But I, I don't see. I don't think – you think Brian Van Gorder is a, a, a real good fit for Notre Dame? I'm not sure that that ever was the case. He's a good he's a good fit for Brian Kelly because they, right. they have history going way, way back early in early in Kelly's career. But I don't think Brian Van Gorder is a long-term guy at Notre Dame one way or another. There's a lot of weird things at play here because 11-1 and one and Notre Dame plays its best defensive game since Clemson against Stanford. No one thinks anything bet like we have – Brian Van Gorder has got to look somewhere else. They're certainly not going to – they're not going to fire Brian Van Gorder unless something no. goes crazily wrong. No. Um, uh, he might want to move on and do, but this is a good defensive coordinator position at Notre Dame. He's going to lose Day and Jalen Smith in terms of important players. Um, that can maybe affect your decision a little bit. Probably lose, they'll probably lose Jalen Smith. Yeah. Lose I mean, there'll be a little bit of a rebuild defensively yeah. next year. I mean, they're losing their two best players, but. I, I, it's, it, I agree with what you were saying, that this defense is just hard to figure out because I, I just don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this yeah. defense. <laughs> they give up a bunch of big plays. Nate Peterman was also 3 of 18 with a pick and 44 yards in the first half. So, I like, that's pretty good, yeah. right? I mean, they held Clemson under 300 yards. Temple didn't really do anything offensively. They don't, though. Um, I mean, they put up 60 points last week. I just... No, it's a pretty it's, bad it's, a, yeah, it's yeah, a feast yeah. or famine defense, which I guess is okay. Um, but you know, does look does Notre Dame have great defensive personnel? No, 
So to expect them to play great defense, I think, is a little bit. And off I think the—I don't know if the question—if I'm reading too much into it—but the question I think is kind of hinting at is Brian Kelly going to get rid Make of Rand Van yeah. Gorder, no. and I and, and, no. and he won't. I—I I mean, their history and their relationship. Yeah. I don't believe that that is is on Brian Kelly's mind. He's a coaching nomad. He might leave after two years, but his son's at the school, so he might want to stay another year. Oh, That's is how he, I think he goes. a sophomore? He's a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at Auburn, that was forced, but he was... Right, but he jumps around yeah. more than... Yeah, he does move yeah. around. All right, last question. Notre Dame 025876. Staff, are you hearing anything about Niles Morgan being upset and not seeing any time on defense? Who's a five-star kid is watching a player who's playing, I'll just say poorly... Is his confidence <laughs> affected by the coaches shutting him out? Well, I, first of all, I hope he's not happy. I, I don't know, Pete. Maybe you're. You've, I, you've heard some feedback. I have not heard any rumblings him. on Niles Morgan. It's been pretty quiet on that front about how he feels about not playing. And yeah, I mean, this question is he he never plays. He doesn't rotate in. There's really there doesn't seem to be a light for him to get on the field until next spring. I would think at at this point or or. You know, a while back earlier in this season, he understood that, okay, my time is going to come next year, 2016, 2017. Now he's a kid and he probably wants to be on the football field. And, and I'm sure that that, that does bother him, but his time is the next two years. Now, if he's not playing the next two years, then we, then there's another layer to the story. The only mild concern I have for him not being on the field is, is there's a goal line package since the beginning of the year, very beginning of the year that includes Coney and Garrett Grace. And yeah. Greer Martini plays against every option team, and Greer Martini came in with Coney and Jarrett Grace in the goal line against Pitt. Mm-hmm. It's odd that he doesn't come in in some situations. Well, doesn't that? But that speaks to right, his but, inability to find the run fit, which we saw last year. Sure, but that's prob- I find it odd that it takes that long. Do you, I know this is a totally oh, different no, story. It, totally different story. No, but it's, it's that, strange. It, it's very, it's very yeah. odd. That's why it goes back to the question of, you know, we said what's worse, missing a tackle or missing your run fit, you know. Joe Schmidt, the, the misser of tacklers, and Niles Morgan, the misser of run fits. It's worse to miss the run fit because yeah. there's nothing impeding the running back then. Yeah, yeah, and it's I, it's the first note in Notre Dame stats now. Every week when he picked those up on Tuesday, noting Notre Dame's record when Joe Schmidt's I think we, in the lineup. I think we get I think Irish will you get credit for that. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah. In parentheses, Tim Priester. It's the same thing as Tommy Reese. Joe Schmidt is having the exact same college career as Tommy Reese, where it comes in and like, wow, this guy is really productive, try hard, great story. We like writing about him. We like talking to him. And they're like, well, isn't there maybe somebody on the bench who's like more athletic, do you think? Like, do you think so you can put somebody else in? Joe, like Schmidt, getting, Joe like, Schmidt getting people <laughs> lined up is equivalent to, to checking, Tommy Reese yeah, making the checks at the line of scrimmage. And yeah. look, the Notre Dame's record with Joe Schmidt in the lineup is what it is. They are really good, but they've lost one twice. They've lost twice to at Florida State and at Clemson. And they've beaten everybody else. And this defense has had some good performances this year. Maybe they haven't been against great offenses, but Clemson did get held under 300 yards. I don't think they should replace him. I'm 100 percent sure they're not going to replace him. I still find it odd that Morgan doesn't find a way yeah. to get in a game. Maybe it's play. a maybe those are two different conversations. They are. They're the to- question totally is different. not whether there's somebody more physically gifted. The question is, you know, I mean, why is he in the lineup? Are is the defense better with him in the lineup? And, yes. Yeah, it is. And and I, I mean that the the guy that makes a million dollars a year as defensive coordinator believes that that is the case. The question is not we're always debating about whether there's whether there's somebody better athletically. That's not the debate. The debate is 
who's if they're better with him defensively. And we don't we don't actually have a specific answer to that because they won't play defense with somebody other than him yeah. on the field. Brian Kelly did say not that this answers the question from in like a source, but he said somebody asked about this recently in the last two weeks. He said everything I get is that Niles Morgan is still completely engaged. He's shown no ill effects of. He was asked like two weeks ago yeah. if he. Is frustrated, and I think he said what you said. I hope he's frustrated for not playing, but right. he he's dialed in. So, and we don't, and who knows? I mean, that's yeah. Not I mean, answer, who knows? Right? Brian yeah. Kelly says a lot of things. It was and a head coach has to yeah. say that, you know. But who 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 knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. We don't know that. All right. Well, maybe we'll just keep asking Brian Kelly yeah. about Niles Morgan, <laughs> and we'll update you on our next episode of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim O'Malley and Tim Booster. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Thursday.